how can we glorify God? I'm sure that question is top of mind as soon as you wake up every morning. How can I glorify God? I'm sure that when you roll out of that bed, when that alarm's gone, that's the first thing that you're thinking about. Right? Probably not. I mean, my first thought is, am I willing to put my feet on the floor? (laughs) Because that means that the day has begun. But for me, there also means that I've prepared to prepare coffee, and soon there will be coffee, and that's a good thing too. How can we glorify God? Maybe comes as a question later on for us. Maybe. But what's interesting is I think that for, for people of faith, these kinds of questions ought to be somewhere in the daily thought that we have. And that's what I find interesting about walking us through a catechism. And a catechism, again, is just a way of teaching. Christians have used catechisms throughout history, mostly in a question and answer format, in order to teach the main thoughts or the doctrine of the Christian faith. And so I've been using this one that's called the New City Catechism, which is relatively recently written. And I'm using it probably because it has 52 questions, and that means that just sort of like, oh, there's a year's worth of preaching in here at least. That's kind of cool. And so we've been, we've been walking through this New City Catechism and learning again about some doctrine. And I've been reminding us that we don't worship doctrine. We worship a living God in whom we're trying to understand and maybe explain through the doctrine. And that, as I've studied the catechism, I come back to this over and over again, that love, if we believe God is love, that love is not just a thing among many. That love, in all of its difficulty, in all of its holding people accountable, in all of its being willing to sacrifice oneself, in all of its being willing to look inside oneself and care for oneself in the way that God does, that love is the only thing. And so I sort of come into this with those ideas. And so we've been talking about, you know, what is our only hope? Well, our only hope is in God. And that this God that we understand is not just a God, but is a, a triunity or a trinity. We really smart, you know, theologians like to say triunity because it trips us up. Reminds us that there's a unity within this trinity, that it's not three separate people, even though they're distinguishable in some ways, but that their works, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, their works are not done one without the other. And so that this, this world in which we live in has been created by this triunity, and is sustained by this triunity, and is redeemed by this triunity, and that we, in understanding who this God is, and understanding from where we come, how we've been redeemed and set apart, we find our purpose. 
of the sermon a couple weeks ago, I think I was talked about, you know, we're all, people are always searching for their purpose. And if you're a person of faith, you've been given your purpose. And that is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. And now, boom, here's the question, right? How can we glorify God? And the answer in this catechism is, we glorify God by enjoying God, loving God, trusting God, obeying God's will, commandments, and law. Enjoy, love, trust, obey his will, commandments, and law. Man, that's a lot. It's sort of word salad, isn't it? There's a lot in that. But I want to think about what the implications of all of that are. Because because oftentimes in my life I've thought about that what I'm trying to do often, because this is, seems like how the world works, is that I try to do stuff for God in order to get the benefits of God. Right, that God, God is somehow a vending machine, and if I put in enough money or time or love for somebody else, that I'll get out a Mars bar. You know, that I'll get out the good stuff. And that if I do that just right, then that then, God and I then have a deal, and that that will protect me from pain, from suffering, you know, that nobody in my realm will die or get sick or, or any of those things. I mean, one of the things that happens, I'm sure it's happened for you, and maybe you've asked this question, which is a legit question, it's in the Psalms as well, is, where are you, God? But sometimes I think we ask that question because we've made a deal, We think it's a quid pro quo that God, we scratch God's back and God scratches ours. Well, God loved us well before we even had an inkling of God. God redeemed us well before we even had an understanding that we had even a need for redemption. God sustains us in and through all things. And we believe and we trust, right, in trusting God. We trust that God is at work even when we can't see God. And we believe that God gives us, through God's Spirit, the power, the ability to live into God's will, to live into God's commands to live into God's law, if we want to talk about that. And I know those words sometimes ring kind of heavy and hard for us. But I want you to imagine, imagine for a moment that, that God's action, right, God's loving action in this triunity, creating us, redeeming us, sustaining us, makes possible our action, our love, which glorifies God. God, in creating us, gives us all kinds of gifts. And in our lives, gives all of us all kinds of opportunities in order to use those gifts, to hone those gifts, to learn new skills and have new experiences. And when we live into this gratefulness to God for this life that we've been given, we are able to use those for the glory of God. 
Because God is glorified when we become fully ourselves. God is glorified not when we're beating ourselves up and when we're hurting ourselves and when we're protecting ourselves, when we're defining ourselves over and against others. God is glorified when we live into the fullness of who we are and we bring all of that in service of our good and in service of the good of all people. Because I don't believe that God made this creation not to flourish. God made this creation to flourish and to be enjoyed and to be shared. And so much of the time, our need for redemption comes when we get fearful that what we have is going to be taken away from us. That someone else is going to come and get it. And so we hunker down and we throw stones and we get angry and we protect and we continue to create the conditions of a life that's fearful, that holds back, that is ungenerous, that is angry. And when we live in fear and not trust and faith, I think we begin to see, especially what we have today in our world and in our country, which is not new, I just think in our country, it's more in our face now. We use expletives to talk about the other side, whoever that is. We curse them. We talk badly about them. No matter what side of the aisle we come from, the other side is somehow evil or has evil intentions and wants to come and get and take from us something that we deserve. But in God's economy and in God's way, God has given us all that we need and all that we are. And when we use those resources, when we use those resources to to let go of our fear, to let go of our shame, to work with our feelings of inadequacy, that we're not enough or good enough or cute enough or fast enough or good looking enough or that we don't have the right kind of hairdo or whatever it is, the ways that we can be told by society or by ourselves. When we allow God's love to permeate us in such a way that we can love ourselves, we then are able to love our neighbor, which gives glory to God. And it follows God's will and it follows God's commands and it follows God's law. And when we do that, we begin to enjoy God even more. Because we are set free then from this fear and from this way of dividing and keeping other people at bay. Shirley Guthrie, who is a, was a theologian in the church, in the Reformed Church, I'm going to paraphrase here. Christians are not simply saved people, meaning 
mean, we're not just put into this saved box over here where we're waiting for some heavenly reward to come, which has been a popular theological understanding, that what that means is that when we're saved, we can do whatever the heck that we want, doesn't really matter, you know, we can take all the earth's resources and use it, we can manipulate and we can, and we can get everything that we, that we can take in this world, and doesn't really matter because we're saved, I confess my, my sins to Jesus and I'm done and I'm good and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to heaven. We're in this saved box, but that's not what Shirley Guthrie says. We're not simply saved people. We are people who respond to God's love and forgiveness and acceptance with thankful obedience in every area of our lives. And I know most of us don't like that word obedience. Right? Man. Not a dog, right? Though I'm sure some people would say I might need to go to obedience school. But what does it mean to be obedient to God? It is living out of the gifts that we've been given and seeing them as the gifts that they are from this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the giver, the redeemer, the renewer of life, to use those gifts to bless the world and to bless and glorify God. And so Jesus says, you're the salt. You're the salt, but if you've lost your saltiness, and I, I'm just I'm gonna, I'm, this is not what he was thinking, because I, if I knew the mind of Christ, we'd be, in a, we'd be talking in a whole different way, but if you're living in fear, you've lost your salt, you've lost your ability to bring out the wonderful things of life because you're living in fear, you're living afraid of things, and you're trying to protect yourself, and when you're trying to protect yourself, you cover up. You can't see the beauty and the wonder that's out there. All you see are enemies and demons. And I'll tell you, I've been there. And I'll be really honest with you, most of the demons that I saw, they were creations of my own mind. They were things within myself that I was insecure about, that I was afraid of. People won't like me. People won't get me. I'm not good enough. You're the salt. But if you've lost your saltiness, you're not really good for anybody. But I believe that God has the power to renew the salt, right? God made it. And so if you're feeling like you're not, you know, if you're feeling afraid, if you're, if you're feeling like you need to hunker down, if you're feeling like, you know, then let it go. It's already been redeemed. It's already been renewed. Live into the ways that you can glorify God. You're the light of the world. And, and I want to talk about that. Like salt has been given a purpose, right? And we use salt for all kinds of things, but salt has been given a purpose. And when it's used for its purpose, it's a wonderful thing. When we overuse it for its purpose, it's not a great thing, right? When we underuse it, it's not salty enough. Doesn't bring out the flavor. You put too much salt in there, all you get is salt. Maybe that metaphor's gone a little too far. We're going to go to light now. I want you to think about pumpkins. And I want you to think about carving pumpkins and putting them out on your doorstep at night. 
when people go by and you spent this time carving this wonderful pumpkin and people go by in the nighttime, what do they see? Nothing. It's dark. But you put a candle in it. What do they get to see? The beautiful creation that you've made. It lights it up. And other people get to see it and enjoy it. Smile at it or laugh at it or go, how the heck did they do that? Wonder at it. You are the light of the world. When we live in fear and when we, when we are afraid of what God is asking of us, these, the, God's will, God's law, God's commands, when we are dividing into us and to them, we are putting a basket over our light. And it doesn't shine in front of others and it doesn't inspire them to wonder and to look with joy and to then perhaps begin to feel the light in them begin to grow. And so there's this dynamism between believing and receiving and living and serving. We have received this life and this redemption and this spirit And out of that comes a call to glorify God by living and serving in a way that loves God's creation and loves God's people and loves ourselves, which glorifies God. And so the invitation today is to ask that question of yourself. How can I today glorify God? May we answer it with God's spirit of love and hope, generosity, and peace. Amen.